Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. Matthew chapter 13, verses 44 to 46. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then, in his joy, went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Paul, thank you very much for reading. Do keep your Bibles open. I think you'll find that very helpful as we look through this parable or these two parables that we've been looking through Matthew 13 over these last weeks. And as you keep your Bible open, something else I think you'll find helpful would be to dig out the, the little buff-coloured sermon outline so you can see where we're going for the next few moments. Um, and um, I will now pray for us that the Lord would indeed speak to us through his word. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we've sung all for Jesus, all our talents and powers and thoughts and words and actions, every passing day and hour. And we pray that uh, we might see why that is a, a sensible and consistent approach to yourself and to your kingdom tonight. Please help us both to understand why that's the way to live, and then by the power of your spirit, give us the will, will and ability to live that way in Jesus name Amen A man who has influenced me and many of my generation was asked recently about his life at university he arrived at university as a committed Christian having been converted out of Christian camp when he was 16 and he said of his time at uni if you're going to take anything seriously you have to give it your all if you're going to get a first you have to give it your all. If you're going to play sport for university, you have to give it your all. And then he said this, I'm a Christian. I gave it my all. Anything that's worth anything demands everything, doesn't it? And that, says Jesus in the parables before us this evening, that is what the kingdom of heaven is like. It is so precious that you'd give up everything else for it. You'd give it your all. And so the challenging question that springs from the parables before us this evening that we're going to read again in just a moment because they were there and gone in a moment, weren't they? The challenging question is this. Will I give up everything for the kingdom of heaven? Because, verse 44, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy went and sold it, all that he had, and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Two simple yet profound stories. The first in verse 44 is of a man who finds treasure in a field. There's nothing to suggest he was even looking for the treasure. He stumbles upon it quite by chance, it seems. You can imagine he's out walking the dog in the Peak District on a Sunday afternoon. He sees the dog burrowing at something and when he goes to see what the mutt is looking at, he discovers a box full of treasure. Like the story in the news this week, an eight-year-old Swedish girl, did you hear about her? Swimming in a lake this past summer, stepped on something hard, felt around with her hands, initially thought it was a stick and was about to throw it away, and then looked at it again and took it to her dad, and it turned out to be a sword. 
from the pre-Viking era, 1,500 years old. She wasn't looking for it. She was swimming in a lake. She just stumbled across it. That's the man in the parable. Only what he found was not a Viking sword, but treasure beyond value. And so, verse 44, he went and sold everything he had and brought the field so that he could own the treasure. Now look, we mustn't get bogged down with the ethics of his actions. That's not the point of the parable at all. And besides, in Jesus' day, what the man did was perfectly legal. You may well have heard the expression that possession is nine-tenths of the law. If you have something, then largely the law says it's yours. Well, in Roman times, possession was ten-tenths of the law. If you had it in your possession, it was yours. And so the man in the parable did everything he could to ensure he had the treasure. That's the point. Quite by chance, he discovered something that was of such value, he sold everything in order to get it. The kingdom of heaven is like that. It's worth everything you have and more. And again, verse 45, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. This fellow is quite different from the man in the first parable. He's a professional, a merchant, spent his life looking for fine pearls. It's what he did. Not hard to imagine him searching the internet day after day, looking in auction rooms, going to car boot sales on a Sunday morning, stopping at every antique shop he ever came across when he drove around the country, all the time looking for pearls. And then one day, bingo. There it was, in a little bric-a-brac store, down a little alley off Halifax High Street of all places. Verse 46, a pearl of great value. And while he was the professional who'd been searching for this pearl all his life, and the other guy, an amateur, who just happened to stumble across the, the treasure in a field, the response was the same. Verse 46, he went away and sold everything he had and bought the pearl. Without delay, the businessman who lived in a six-bedroom executive house in a gated community in a delightful village in Surrey put his house on the market. Then he contacted WeBuyAnyCar.com to get a quick sale on his Aston Martin DB11. Then he listed tons of things on eBay, all his gadgets, his iPhone, iPad, MacBook Pro. They all went along with his state-of-the-art home entertainment system and his stamp collection. He sold his furniture and garden equipment in a yard sale. Someone even gave him a few quid for his old shed. He was even prepared to sell his beloved mountain bike and the jewellery that his old mum had left him when, he, when she passed away a few years earlier. You get the point, verse 46. He sold everything he had. All he had left were the clothes on his back. And he sold it all so he could buy the pearl. The kingdom of heaven is like that. It's worth more than everything we have. That is the first point on the handout. The kingdom of heaven is worth everything. Of course, the question the parables really ask us, because they're not that difficult to understand, is what is it about the kingdom of heaven that makes it worth everything? Uh, Let me be autobiographical for a moment. I, I became a Christian in 1983. I was 20 at the time. I'd always believed that God existed, but that belief made little difference to my life day by day. As a 20-year-old, I was doing okay for myself, had a good job. I was told I had a great career ahead of me. Who knows whether I did or not, but that's what I was told. I was about to buy my own flat. I had a company car. Sounds impressive. Don't be impressed. It was only a mini metro, but still, I had a company car. And while I was happy and enjoying life, there were three big issues I was grappling with as a 20-year-old. The first was, I realised I wasn't the sort of person I wanted to be. As I say, I was about to buy my own flat, so I was living 
for the last few weeks and months in my home that I was brought up in with my parents. And I still remember my mum saying to me one day, you treat this house like a hotel. I mean, all mums say that to their children. She must have said it many times to me before. But on that occasion, it hit me and I thought, she's right, I do. I'm selfish. I treat this house like a hotel. I walk in and I walk out and I basically live my life my way. So I realised I wasn't the sort of person I wanted to be and I tried to be different, but I couldn't change. Second, I wondered about death. What happens when you die? Uh, I had a friend called Lawrence Crowther. He was brilliant at school, brilliant badminton player, playing for England under 16s when he was just 14. Uh, And uh, as he was taking his GCSEs, all the pressure became too much for him and he committed suicide. There was my friend, best friend, gone in a moment. I come face to face with death and I had no answers to it. And I think four years later, I was still thinking about that. And the third thing was, I was getting everything I wanted as a 20-year-old, good job, good career, material stuff, but I was always left with a sense of, so what? I have a house, a car, a job I love, and is that it? What's the point? My brother became a Christian in his last year at university. He's four years older than me, so uh, at about 20, he told me about Jesus and invited me to an event at his church. And, he told me, and at that event, I heard about Jesus. I heard that Jesus died on the cross so I could be forgiven, so that even though I wasn't the person I wanted to be, treating my parents' house like a hotel and all the other selfish things I did, I could be forgiven. I heard about Jesus rising from the dead. There was my problem, face to face with death. How was I ever going to deal with it? But Jesus rose from the dead so he could give us life beyond the grave. And then I realized that's the meaning of life, following Jesus. And so on the 25th of March, 1983, I became a Christian. And I tell you all that because I knew back then, even back then, that these were things that money can't buy. Forgiveness, a clear conscience, no longer feeling guilty for all the rubbish in my life, peace with Almighty God, knowing that I'm right with him. It is priceless A reason to get up in the morning, direction in life, not aimlessly wandering through life, worth its weight in gold. Of course, since then, I've discovered so many more things that are wonderful about the Christian life. God the Holy Spirit given to me to help me to live the way I should. God's provision and protection day by day. And his people, the church, church family, brothers and sisters, what a wonderful thing. In the gospel, we have a complete package that you can't get anywhere else in the world. No other religion or philosophy or way of life will give you this. And you certainly can't find it in anything or even any other relationship, as good as they may be. You cannot find this anywhere else. But there is one thing that makes the kingdom of heaven unquestionably priceless. I mean, all those other things are wonderful. But there is one thing that makes it worth giving up everything else for. And we see that one thing very clearly when we put these two little parables in their context, when we see where they sit in Matthew chapter 13. Look back to the parable of the wheat and the weeds that we were looking at last week. See how it ends, verse 40. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into the fiery furnace where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. 
and then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. See how the parable ends with the the arresting truth of a final judgment day, of a day of irreversible distinction for eternity between those who are the sons of the kingdom and those who aren't. And those who aren't in the kingdom are separated from God forever while his children are brought into his glorious kingdom of light and life. Verse 43, shining like the sun in the kingdom of their father. How wonderful is that? See how the parable ends? Then look on to the parable that comes immediately after our parables today, the parable of the net. Verse 47, once again the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. When it was full, the fishermen pulled it up on the shore. Then they sat down and collected the good fish in baskets but threw the bad away. This is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. (laughs) The parable of the net ends in exactly the same way that the parable of the wheat and the weeds ends a day of final judgment. And verse 50, weeping and gnashing of teeth for those who are outside the kingdom, exactly the same expression as verse 42 in the parable of the wheat and the weeds. And between those two parables of final judgment sits our two parables today. That is why the kingdom of heaven is worth so much. In the light of final judgment, we see it as a treasure of incalculable worth. Jesus Christ rescues us from eternal judgment and brings us into his kingdom. And he brings us into a personal and intimate relationship with the God of all creation, so that I can call God Father. Uh, You see, that's what happens in verse 43, where I feel for eternity, safe and loved and secure, without any needs or wants or concerns ever again, where verse 43, we will shine like sun in the kingdom of our Father. Do you see, it's in the light of eternity that we see the kingdom of heaven gives us what money cannot buy and what nothing else in this life can give us. Just over seven years ago now, it was July 2011, my brother and I sat at our mum's bedside as she was dying of cancer. We sat there every day for what turned out to be the final week of her life. She died on a Sunday morning, I'll never forget it. Now, it must have been the Thursday or the Friday of that week before she died that I heard on the radio that the coming Saturday would see a record Euro Millions jackpot. The winning ticket would be worth something like 101 million euro. Over 88 million pounds. An eye-watering sum of money. And as I sat at my mum's bedside, I told my brother about the Euro Millions jackpot and I said to him, you know, we could win the lottery. I mean, we couldn't because we didn't do it, but we could win the lottery. We could win millions and millions of pounds this weekend and it wouldn't do mum or us any good whatsoever. It wouldn't change a thing. But when mum died on that Sunday morning, a couple of days later, while we were heartbroken and even now, seven years later, we still miss her terribly, Yet the gospel changed everything. Knowing that she is with Jesus for eternity makes all the difference in the world. 
You can't buy that. It made a difference on the day that she died, and it does today. It changes everything for us, but boy, did it change everything for mum. In the kingdom of heaven, with her heavenly father, gloriously shining like the sun forever, bright and full of life. She's more alive today than she ever was when she was here. That is something that money cannot buy, and that's why the kingdom of heaven is worth everything. Second, see how the kingdom of heaven brings joy. Our second point on the handout, verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy went and sold all that he had and bought that field. You see, there is present joy about a future kingdom. Oh, this, of course, doesn't mean that Christians are happy all the time. In, this, in these last weeks, I've been engaging with something that has left me feeling desperately sad. As I said last week, as, as we look at the wickedness in the world, it will leave us, indeed, it should leave us feeling heavy-hearted and deeply concerned. Oh, and never mind all that stuff out there. As I look at the sin and failure in my own life, I, I can't walk around like a Cheshire cat with a constant grin on my face. There are tons of things in this life that mean I'm not happy all the time. But living with the truth of the future kingdom of heaven gives me deep joy. I remember that joy from the moment I became a Christian. I still had pressures at work. There were still financial demands. There was all the normal difficulties of life. They didn't go away. But despite all the tough stuff, a deep, deep sense that as a friend of mine once said, when I put my head on my pillow at night, I know that ultimately everything's okay. Deep joy. It's all going to be all right in the end. And it is that joy of the future kingdom that will make us willing not only to put the kingdom of heaven first and if need be, be ready to sell everything for it, but to do it joyfully, not reluctantly or grudgingly. It's not forced upon us. It's a joyful response, isn't it? I'm forgiven, I'm right with God, my eternal future is certain, all because Jesus died for me. I'm so thankful, nothing is too much trouble. And this joy is not just about I'm going to be in this place where, a bit like you know, a very long summer holiday where the sun always shines and there's no work to do. Now this joy comes from being in the relationship that I was made for. Again, look at verse 43, which I think really gives us the setting for the next parables. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. It's the kingdom of the father, not just some kingdom. Kingdom of the father. It's knowing God as our father. And knowing that one day I will finally be with God the father. That is the root of the joy here. Around this time last year, I went to Cambodia to visit our mission partners, the Norgate family. I've got to say, it was a great privilege to go. It was a remarkable experience. It is uh, one of those trips that I will never forget. Seeing the, the slum community that the Norgates worked in affected me profoundly. I travelled with a member of the mission committee, Chris Nex. He was a brilliant travel companion. I loved travelling with him. I loved spending time with... Uh, the Norgates, Jonathan and Zoe and their children, Max, Poppy and Eli, we laughed. It was a wonderful trip. 
I, I yet still, even though I enjoyed it so much, I cannot quite express to you, though, the joy of arriving home and the joy of being with my wife, Caroline, who I'd then been married to 25 years. I'm still married to her, by the way, 26 years now. It's just that it was then 25 years. The joy of simply being with her again and then seeing my children, Susanna, Bethan and Joshua, when they came home from school that day, it was beyond words. I'd only been away a week. But look, there is a joy of being with the most precious people in your life, is there not? How much more the joy of being with God, our Heavenly Father? Knowing a relationship restored with him now and knowing that one day we'll be with him forever in his perfect heavenly kingdom, that brings a joy and delight to those who are his children. And it's a joy that sees us ready to do anything and go anywhere for him, if need be, to sell everything for him. So I think of a couple who had a good job, both of them had good jobs, respectable, well-paid jobs, Other couples in their situation with their combined salaries lived in salubrious neighbourhoods and went on exotic holidays every year, but this couple moved into a really tough area of the city and worked part-time in order to give more time to the local church in that part of the city. Their colleagues didn't understand why they chose to live where they chose to live, but the simple answer was the kingdom of heaven meant to them that they'd found something of such value they were prepared to give up the social standing of living in a neighbourhood like Fullwood and all the trappings of having two huge full-time salaries. And the thing is, no one had to twist their arms, they did it joyfully. Think of our mission partners, I've already mentioned, the Norgate family, who left all the comfort and security of living in Britain to work in one of the poorest and most deprived areas of the world. They sacrificed much, endured much physically and emotionally, Why? Because in the kingdom of heaven they had a treasure that was worth everything to them and they not only knew that that it was worth everything to them, they wanted other people to know it too and they wanted others to know the joy of it so they went willingly, joyfully. No one forced these people to give up so much. No one had to. They knew the kingdom of heaven was worth more than everything they had and the challenge here is that uh, this isn't an extreme way of Christian living for the real keenies. This is the normal Christian life. And that leads us to our third point um, over the page, if you're still with me. The kingdom of heaven is worth everything. The kingdom of heaven brings joy. And thirdly, the kingdom of heaven is populated by sacrificing citizens. See, as we've looked through this chapter, we've considered each week how Matthew's gospel is a discipleship training manual. This gospel is training Jesus' disciples, followers of Jesus like you and me, training us what it will look like to fulfill the great command in this gospel that is right at the end, to go and make disciples of all nations. And through this chapter, through these parables, Jesus is revealing the, the secrets of the kingdom of heaven to show me how I can, how I will go and tell all people about the kingdom of heaven. I won't go through it all, but just flick back to me to verse 11, if you will, uh, the, the page before, where Jesus says to his disciples, crucially to his disciples, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given to you. That is given to disciples who are ready to come to Jesus to say, Jesus, tell me what these parables mean. I want to know. I really want to know. I really want to follow you. Verse 
Those who really want to discover the kingdom of heaven, Jesus reveals the truth through these parables. And then flip back to the page we were on and look at verse 35, where he says, here in these parables, verse 35, have been things hidden since the creation of the world are being revealed. These parables tell us about the very meaning of life, why we're here, what life is all about. And so you see these two parables about great treasure and the pearl are doing just that, telling us that when we have really understood the kingdom, it will be as if we've discovered the most precious thing in the world because we have and we'll be ready to give up everything for the kingdom. And so do you see the kingdom of heaven is populated by sacrificing citizens. Now, now please don't misunderstand this, don't mishear it. The Bible does not teach that all real believers have to sell everything. I think of Luke chapter 18 where Jesus told a rich young ruler to go and sell everything and then come and follow him. But just a chapter later, in chapter 19, Zacchaeus, the wealthy tax collector, gave away half his possessions, not all of them, just half of them, and Jesus declared, this man is a son of Abraham. This is a true man of faith. Jesus doesn't tell us we have to sell everything to get into the kingdom of heaven. Besides, that's not the gospel, is it? Gospel is about grace. God graciously giving us things we don't deserve and can never earn. No, no, the point is this. When we truly understand the gospel, when we really have grasped the wonder of the kingdom of heaven, then we'll be prepared to give everything up for him. Then we will joyfully sacrifice everything because it's worth everything to us. It's not the way I get into the kingdom. It's when I've grasped the kingdom. Wow. So the question is, is it? Is the kingdom of heaven worth everything to me? Which is not to doubt Jesus' valuation of the kingdom of heaven. Rather, it's to say, do we have the same valuation? Is the kingdom of heaven worth everything to us? Is it worth giving up everything for? And if you say no, no, I don't think it is worth giving up everything for, then can I suggest that you've not understood the kingdom of heaven yet? And if that's you, can I urge you to give up not everything but just four Tuesday evenings to go along to the Christianity Explored course and to discover why the kingdom of heaven is worth so much. You could go along this Tuesday and the next weeks when my colleague Chris Tuffner will welcome you and you can begin to discover why it's worth so much. At least if you're going to not throw your lot in with Jesus, work out why you're not. There'll be others here this evening who are saying, when I say, is it worth it? You'll say, yes. Yes, I can see that the kingdom of heaven is worth everything, but I've not done that yet. You might be like the merchant who's been looking for something all your life. Maybe that's why you're here this evening. You've been searching and searching and searching. You might be like the other guy in verse 44. You weren't even knowing, knowingly looking for anything, but, but you've walked in here this evening for whatever reason, and like the man in the field, you've discovered treasure beyond your wildest dreams. Really? Well, look, if that's you, whether you've been looking for it forever or, or, or just stumbled across it this evening, why not turn to Jesus Christ today? And to help you do that, I've, I've got a little booklet called The Real Jesus. You can read about this. It has a prayer at the end of it. 
And you can pray this prayer as a way of um, becoming a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. Uh, you know, starting off with Jesus. I'll have these at the door at the end. Just grab one from me. There'll be some then who say, no, I, I don't see it. Well, will you look into it to see it? There'll be others who say, I do see it. I want to start. And then there'll be others here who know the kingdom of heaven is worth everything. You've believed this for some time now, maybe, maybe years. But I wonder if just tonight you, you've realized you need to live it out in a very specific way. Maybe there's an area of life that you're finding it hard to live sacrificially for Jesus. Maybe you've been putting off doing something difficult for him, obeying him in some way that's going to be costly. It might be a moral thing. It might be a big life move. I know, I was trying to think what it might be. Maybe moving from forward to join one of our church plants. Scary. Taking steps to go into full-time paid gospel ministry in this country or abroad. Maybe giving more money away. Maybe you've been coming on Sunday mornings and been challenged by uh, the fact that you should be giving more away. Or working part-time so you give more time to serving Jesus in other ways. I don't know. Whatever it might be. It might be something else. If that's you, ask God to give you the courage to make that step. You can see that it's worth it. In fact, you've already started to follow him. But you, you want to now put it into action. Ask him to fill you with the joy of the kingdom of heaven. So there's no arm twisting. But you think, I, I want to do that. The best thing in the world. Like these men in the parable, enjoy, take the bold step, go on, give up everything for Jesus. Let's pray together. All for Jesus, all for Jesus, this our song shall ever be. Well, Heavenly Father, that's, um, that's us in our best moments. But you know that it's not us all the time. And so we thank you for showing us in the parable that the kingdom of heaven is worth it. It's worth saying all for Jesus. And we pray you'd grab our hearts and help us to live as if we really were believing that the kingdom of heaven is the most precious thing that we have. Give us courage to live that way. Give those who aren't convinced about it at all at least the courage to look into it. And for some this evening, give them the courage to start. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.